So just a little bit about our backgrounds. Um, neither of us really grew up as Christians. Um, so Ian came to faith at 18 in Taunton in Somerset, where he's from. Um, and I came to faith as a student in Cardiff. I had a housemate who kept inviting me along. And eventually, in um, the start of my second year, I came to faith in Cardiff Vineyard. And that's kind of been home ever since. Um, yeah, so back to you guys. Yeah, so Maddie kind of touched upon we met in Inverness, we got married in Inverness, but my journey is I'm the son of a, a pastor, son of a preacher man. I used to get that song all the time at school. <laughs> I'd be walking past and someone would go, only one who could do it. And I was like, ah, whatever. So I, I, my dad was a Baptist minister for a, most up until the age of 21, up until I was 21. So for, for me, I went to university in a place called Stirling. And at that point, I, I drifted away from God and uh, kind of went back home once a month and would go to church uh, just because my dad was the minister there to keep, uh, to keep in terms of showing them that I still believed in God. And I did still believe, I still did believe, but my faith wasn't alive at that point. I was really struggling and really disconnected from God. And uh, I was at university and uh, yeah, just felt really disconnected. But at that point, my parents moved to Inverness. So my dad became the Baptist minister at Inverness. And I remember it, yeah, I got a bus up from Stirling to Inverness and Mary was on the praise band at Inverness and she was singing some songs and I thought, oh, I quite like this girl. <laughs> um, so I was graduating and I managed to find out that Mary was going to be studying in Aberdeen. So I thought, oh, I could have a wee look and see if there's some jobs in Aberdeen to see, uh, not in a, a creepy way in terms of stalking her. <laughs> Stuff all night checking for jobs. Uh, so... I ended up graduating, I went to uni and done business studies and human resource management and uh, got a job in a bank, so ended up at Abbey National, which is now Santander. Uh, so I moved there in October 2006 and uh, that, was a, that was a good job, really enjoyed it and, and things were going really well and basically followed you to Aberdeen. We, uh, you did, yes, yes, you want to, you want to chat? Terrible for interrupting, I apologise now. <laughs> so we were serving on the youth team, so it was called Mezzo, which means middle, which was uh, a funny name, they've changed it now. But it was the youth, <laughs> it was the youth in the church. So we were volunteering at the, doing that, um, and it was great. Although most of our youth thought we were still at school, they thought I was still at school, but that was fine. Um, it was so fun, we had amazing times, and we served on that. And then, oh, going back, oh. Just very quickly. So uh, I had been part of quite a traditional church. And I remember when I moved to Aberdeen, I kinda, we started going out. And I had to go to the same church as my girlfriend at that time. Uh, I didn't have to. I didn't have to. But I felt it was had to because, yeah. So I ended up going to a church called City Church in Aberdeen. And I remember the first time I went into this church, there was people with hands in the air, and there was people asking me how I was, and I'm like, you don't do that. I'm just here to do church and then go home again. But God really softened my heart through that journey. Actually, this is the way community is meant to be. There's a freedom in how we worship God, and uh, God really shaped me. Yeah, we had our first argument after that service, just like, what is this? What is this? But uh, God really spoke to me really firmly about that, and... Uh, went to City Church, ended up volunteering with the young people because you were already doing that. And uh, yes, that sounds again. Let me rephrase that. I was really passionate about young people. And 
<laughs> it was terrifying. I remember the first time I went to the youth group and I was like, oh my goodness, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever done. But uh, God stirred in me just a, a real boldness in that to step out of my comfort zone. And we'd done that together and ended up actually leading that voluntarily. And this is while I was working at the bank and I had this dream of becoming a bank manager at Santander and uh, was doing really well at mortgage advising. So I ended up becoming a mortgage advisor. And uh, so if you need any mortgage advice, I'm your man. I'm not really. Uh, so ended up doing that and was doing really well in terms of financially, good bonuses each quarter, and there was good career prospects. But then the opportunity came about a year and a bit after we volunteered. God was uh, doing amazing things with the young people that were volunteering uh, to serve. And the opportunity came to take a job as a youth pastor. And I remember it clear as day because at that point, I was also applying to be a bank manager at Santander. And there was this, we like to call it a kind of defining moment. And uh, so we had the the so-called kind of financial security of pursuing this job with the bank or, or taking a risk and actually what God's placed in our hearts together, even though it was me that they were uh, asking, would you take a year and become uh, the youth pastor? It was, it was a joint effort. It was both of us becoming youth pastors while you were continuing to, to be a nurse. And uh, you want to share a little bit about, so we kind of toed and froed a bit and thought, is this God? Is this what we want to do? And we had a, a defining moment, uh, which happened in a little office space in Aberdeen, uh, which you're going to share a little bit about. Yeah, yeah, I think for us, I remember it took me by surprise, often as God does in those moments. We're so busy, and it was the night that we'd been with our youth, and I used to often come after a shift on the ward, and it was so energizing, though, even though I'd come tired. It was so energizing. We just absolutely loved being around the young people. It was so fun. We still look back. We can see it now because <laughs> you, you don't know us. But it was one of our most fun times, wasn't it? We just had a hoot. And Thomas is so creative. He doesn't say that, but he's so gifted and so created, so creative. And God just gave him this whole fresh new thing as he stepped out into the youth ministry side of things. But yes, yeah, so we were asked to do this. And after our session um, in Mitzel, we went through and spoke to some of the leaders about doing this. And it was kind of like, are you in or are you not kind of moment. And I just remember bawling my eyes out the entire time. And the team just had so many words and pictures just affirming all that God was doing in our, in our hearts. Um, yeah, the 20, 23, Psalm 23, Lord's my shepherd, that just spoke so much into our story then at that point. And, and I remember going away and um, seeing that word, and it was coming up all the time. You know, the way you just can't avoid it. You're like, oh, God's speaking to me about this. He's got it covered. It's all going to be okay. But in our human worry, we're just thinking, oh, but, but what about, what about? But it was the biggest amazing roller coaster. And I think for me, I knew that then the course of our lives were going to change. It wasn't just for this season that we were saying we're all in with whatever God wants for us. And we've tried to say yes more than we do no to what God has said to us. And we've been so blessed to have um, in Aberdeen, we had the most incredible leaders, most gifted leaders to aspire to, to follow, to, to learn from. And they stretched us. And at times it was quite painful to be stretched and uh, spoken into. But um, yeah, we were just so blessed in that season and to learn so much from them as well um, that we tried to just be obedient to, to all of that and just to be for them in all that they did and support them in all that they did and all that they were for as well. And I think as well, when we were in that little room and Mary was being, uh, we were being prayed for and Mary was bawling her eyes out, I did have a slight moment like, what's going on? Why are you crying? But the Psalm 23 
that, that, that psalm, the first line, the Lord is my shepherd. And as I've been reflecting and, and thinking about this space where we share, I feel that that's become more of a declaration of our journey. That uh, I, I kind of had a picture of us, and it wasn't like there was loads of sheep, but actually we have defining moments in our lives where there's almost loads of shepherds loads of voices, you know, and when we, when we read that first line of Psalm 23 and we say, the Lord is my shepherd, you know, a shepherd calls and the sheep listen and they follow, that for us, that defining moment where we declared, the Lord is my shepherd, it was like, we're going to listen to you, Lord, above every other voice, whatever that is, and, and we knew that that was a moment that would change the course of our lives. We knew, as Mary said, that was a moment where we're going to say yes more than we say no. Even if that is at a cost to ourselves, even when that is scary, even that when our friends are going to go, what on earth are you doing? We, we knew that, that we were all in. And we just want to encourage you guys, whatever that looks like, and, and to think as we share, it's not in a church context, but in a career context and where has God taken you? Where have you to go? Where in the world? What country? What mission field? What work, workplace? What career? Uh, what are you to do? And, and what is God's voice saying that, uh, that maybe you're having that tension just now of other voices at the minute and just to declare, the Lord is my shepherd. He's the voice that I'm going to listen to. And uh, we decided to say yes and we went on a whole journey, which ended up as well us leading a site for a couple of years. We ended up moving to a place called Ellen, just north of Aberdeen. And we'd, unbeknown to us, the church had this vision for multi-site. So a year later, we had moved to Ellen because we could get a slightly bigger house. It was out in the Shire and it was out in the country. But a year later, we were asked, why don't you lead a site? Uh, there's a bunch of people in Ellen already. And we decided, well, let's just go for it. We feel so out of our depth, but let's just give it a shot and see what God does. And, and God honors that, that faith step. God honors that step where we go, I don't exactly know what's going to happen. I haven't got it all planned out. I haven't got a five-year plan. But right now in the moment, God, you're calling us to this. People are, are giving us words. People are, are speaking over us. And we're going to take a deep breath. And we're going to give it our all. And we've seen God do amazing things through that. And again, a similar journey uh, coming to Inverness as well and, and going to Inverness, which Mary shared this morning as well. So, so that's a little bit about our, our defining moment and, and, and saying yes. I love what these guys just shared about. I think defining moments are so key in the decisions that we make. When we, when we meet those kind of crossroads. And I think at this stage of life, and throughout life, we come across defining moments, don't we? But particularly maybe in our teens and our 20s and our 30s, we kind of hit those points quite frequently. And whether we choose to say yes to God or not can set us on a trajectory that we're just like... Does that keep going? Sorry, can you... Do you want to go first? Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so I am reading Dirty Glory at the moment by Pete Gregg strong recommendation if you've not read that book it is it's awesome and there was um a quote in it which when I read it I was like oh that that's what we're talking about today and um, let's see if I can remember it now uh, it was like the decisions you make in those gear change moments in life set the trajectory for the rest of your life which is not to like scare us and be like, oh my gosh, I could get it wrong and it'll all go totally wrong. I don't think that's what it means. Like God is guiding us, but you have these opportunities often in this kind of life stage to make decisions that really are saying like, am I living for God or am I living for what the world tells me I should be going after? Anyway. Cool. So, um, 
So I love that these guys, that verse, that verse about the Lord is my shepherd was a really key verse, a verse that spoke to Soph and I actually before we were even a couple. It was maybe even before we were dating. I, I'd had a kind of rocky time of going to university. And in my second year, I was an absolute mess. And I came back from my second year as a student, spoke to my senior pastor. I was like, I need to get my life in order and I need to straighten up. And he was a, our senior pastor, James, is exceptional at taking risks on people when he sees potential in them. And um, he just was like, you know what? I want to get you leading a small group. So he was like, I've got these two girls and they want to lead a small group. And I told them they need a guy. So I'm doing a bit of matchmaking. And I was like, that is honestly the last thing I need right now. And, um, and then we started leading a small group. Do you mind me saying this? So um, we, <laughs> we, we started leading a small group together. And I would, I would kind of typically week after week go back home to my housemates and just be like, oh, you know what? It's so good to lead a small group with two, two girls. And I have no interest in either of them. And, um, and it's true. Uh, and Soph was like, I probably should have taught the other way around. Soph was like, after our first session, she said to the, uh, your best friend, wasn't it, that we led with, she was like, we've got a problem here because I really fancy Ian. And I was like, so, so I, I think I said at our wedding, I was like, our, our story is a story of love at first sight. Like, Soph loved me. <laughs> and I was just a bit slower. And that's kind of the way things continue. Like, I'm always the slower one, I think. So, um, but you, you could say plenty. And I think, but I was just in a place where I just didn't know what I was looking for, and I didn't know what it meant to pursue um, some of the things that God had for me. And a few months later, I think after Christmas, I came back, and my li- God had done some real shifts in my life. I came back, and we were leading. I just saw Soph in her element, and just in a, like with the Lord, just loved the Lord, and was doing what he was calling her into. I just saw you and was like, now that's a girl I want to be with, wasn't it? And it was just from that point on, it was just saved it. I saved it. Um, <laughs> But we had, we had this kind of thing where it was like we'd started leading a small group together. Soph was doing a law degree. I was doing theology at the time. And, and I think we both felt there's this, the verse that was for us was um, Matthew 6, 33, you know. Um, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And I had this real kind of fear of like, oh, I really like this girl. And if I don't ask her out now, is some guy going to get in there first and just like steal you away? And the Lord just spoke to me really powerfully through that verse. It was like, seek me first. Do what I've called you to. And if this is, someone, if this is something I have for you, then don't worry. I will, I will give it to you. And I think he was speaking through that to you too. And I don't know if you have verses you come back to in the Bible that are pertinent for you. Um, James, our senior pastor, refers to them as like wells or water holes in Scripture that we just come back to time and again. And for us, this has been one that we've gone back to over and over. So... Um, so we, I was saying at the start, I came, both of us came to faith um, from families that maybe didn't know Jesus that well. And I was 18 when I came to faith. And um, I felt very early on called into church ministry and, and being part of church. I was just like, you know what? There, is too many, there are too many people who don't know about Jesus. And my life had been completely transformed. So I know that I want to give my life to that. And um, I think like Helen said in her, in her short talk earlier about what it looks like to live out your yes. When I came to Jesus, I, I said my yes to him. And I knew that part of my yes was going to be a call into church, church leadership and, and just doing church ministry. I didn't even know that involved leadership at the time. But I had, it took me a long time. And I think 
I don't know what it is. I don't know if this is a generational thing for us, but I had this lie in me that was like, in order for you to be successful, and I think the one that really hit me was, if you want to have a family one day, if you want to have a wife and children, um, you're going to have to be able to provide for them, particularly financially. And so I had all these lies that were wrapped up in, the truth was that God was calling me to be involved in his ministry. And the lie was that in order for you to do that, you need to set yourself up first. And I felt like I had to pursue comfort and security, particularly financial. So I tried to do everything that I could to set myself up like that. So I ended up going to Cardiff to do an architecture degree, thinking, you know, it was either that or theology. And I'd always sworn I'd never do theology. I was like, um, who would spend money to do that? You could just open up your Bible and read it and read some books. Why would you spend money? What did I drop out and do? So I was doing architecture, so then I dropped out and obviously went on to do a theology after that. <laughs> I spent a month in architecture. And you know, sometimes, I don't know what you guys are up to at the moment. You're probably all at different stages and doing different things. But you know, sometimes you're in something and you look around. And I was in my architecture class and I was looking around and everyone was like pumped for it. And I was like, I am not that excited for this. This is not capturing my heart. And that's not to undermine architecture. Um, yeah. So... So I just knew that I was pursuing the wrong things, and, and that continued. So I got to the second and third year of my degree, and I was still knew that my degree was... I mean, theology doesn't necessarily lead you into that many other careers. You teacher or preacher, isn't it, like after you finish that? So I got to the end, and I still had these worries that I was not going to do... that I wasn't going to be able to provide in any way. I wasn't going to be able to set myself up. I was seeking all this security and comfort. And I was flicking through prospectuses and just going, what is the next degree I'm going to do? Because I'm going to have to do something that is going to set me up. I even, as we got to the end of um, our degrees, I, I started to apply for a PGCE. So I was applying to do primary teaching in Wales. Um, they, needed, they needed male teachers in primary schools. They probably still do, I imagine. And I'd, I was like, there's no way they're not going to let me do this. And Soph had a friend. She knew all the answers, all the questions they were going to ask at the interview. I was so well prepped, it could not go wrong. And I had the interview. And if about a week later or whenever they fed back, they're like, you didn't get it. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you're crying out for male primary teachers. And, and here you are saying no. And so there was a moment then when it was like, what, what am I doing? What am I really setting myself up for? And that, and that was a defining moment for me that I've never looked back on. And, and off of the back of that moment when God just shut the door, I was like, I went on to do the discipleship year that the church was running then. And I just don't think I've looked back. And I think the lesson that I learned, you know, that verse was really um, poignant to us. And it's, we've come back to it. But all of the stuff that Jesus says leading up to that verse is, you know, do not worry about the clothes you're going to wear. Do not worry about the food you're going to eat. You know, don't seek comfort. Don't seek security. Seek first the kingdom, and all these things I'll provide for you. And I think that's what he did in me. Can I jump in there? Yeah. yeah. You go. Um, so I, I just want to pause a second and something you said about how God was calling you into his ministry. Mm. I want to just lovingly add the word church ministry in there because he's called us all into his ministry regardless of whether we're working in the church or what work we're doing and that's been a big part of my story so as Ian said I was doing a law degree um, so I came to faith at the start of my second year of a law degree and since the age of eight I was determined to be a lawyer um, and had been just working towards that dream it's very it's, 
it was the dream for me. Um, and as I became a Christian, that, d- that didn't change. And then I came to Cause to Live For in um, it was 2010, I think. And the, the main speaker was a guy called Jay Pathak, who leads a big vineyard in the States. And he gave kind of a health warning at the beginning of the conference and said, you know, sometimes at these things, God likes to turn up and shake things up a bit. And, you know, don't be surprised if he shocks you with something this weekend that he's calling you into. And I remember turning to my friend Hannah and being like, well, I know what I'm going to do after uni, so I don't even need um, Shouldn't have been so confident. Um, <laughs> Then over the course of the weekend, God spoke to me so clearly and just turned things upside down and showed me that I was idolizing a law career and just putting all my hope in that. And he said, don't pursue that, pursue me. And asked me to kind of sacrifice that, just take that to the altar and be like, that's not who he's calling me to be. And so I got home from that, and instead of applying for the legal practice course to do after my degree, I applied for the discipleship year and just had to surrender it and just go through that process, being like, you know what, that's not what he was calling me to do. Um, And I'll try and just... How are we doing for time? Right. I'll explain some of this. Um, That that part of um, do not worry, seek first the kingdom, and everything else will be provided was so true because... I decided to seek the kingdom and what he was calling me into in that season. And then alongside the discipleship year, he provided the perfect job and a flat and the perfect housemate. Like everything that I needed, he provided and he continued to provide. And I ended up going on to intern in church. I started working in church and kind of just being equipped and trained. And God was breaking my heart for his church, you know, like we always say, if James and Jen hadn't moved to Cardiff from here and planted that church would I even know Jesus? And, you know, if, if that, I just have to do the same thing for other people. It just was put in there. So I knew he was calling me into that. However, I got a few years down the line. I was kind of working in church and working part-time alongside it and just realized I got to this place where I was really stuck and I felt like I wasn't fully thriving in my job or in church and that I wasn't operating in my strengths and I just didn't feel alive or like I was really living in that calling that God had put on me anymore. And I was starting to really resent the church, just to be brutally honest. It is hard to worship where you work. And I would find myself in the service on a Sunday thinking about, did I print enough bulletins? Um, Or, you know, I'm going to have to make sure we sort this out for next week. And just I was just getting stuck and not really... It was creating a barrier between me and Jesus as well. So I knew that something needed to change. And then God did something remarkable in that there's often stories of like God called me out of the workplace to work in his church. And he did the opposite to me. He called me out of working for his church to work fully in the job that I do. And I now work full time um, for a charity. I Uh, work to try and influence the Welsh government and influence assembly members and he's got me doing something that uses my strengths and uses what I was trained in and is a way to see and extend the kingdom in our city that doesn't actually require going into work the church Monday to Friday. Um, I really recommend some teaching there's a guy called Greg Thompson who spoke at the NLC a few years ago some teaching about the city and what it looks like to restore the city and that how all of us are called in the work that we do to bring freedom and bring life to the city and and it was just so releasing being like oh 
and now the irony is I'm a site pastor as well. So I'm, I've got like these multiple callings and different ways of doing things in my life that I'm called to be a site pastor and not just pastor our congregation, but pastor the north of the city where we are. And we're kind of exploring what that looks like, but also to restore the city through my work at the same time. I think the thing that I feel like we're trying to say is that in this room, there'll be some of you that feel called into church ministry. And there'll be some of you that as you think, some of you are are seeking God this weekend. You're asking, what are you calling me into? So that's one question. There's others of you that feel called into church ministry. And there's others of you that feel such a strong calling into things that that aren't in the church, but you know that that's what God's calling you to. And I think what resonates for me as I've heard these guys share and and the rest of the speakers this weekend is that when God calls you, you have to give everything up. You know, the disciples gave up their nets, they put them down and they surrendered it all. And if there's stuff that is in your life and you're like holding on to those things, um, he will give back to you the stuff that he wants to give back to you. And I think that... I think that part of seeking the kingdom first and following the shepherd is to go, I lay down my life. He laid down his life for me, and I will lay down my life for him. And, and this um, seminar was titled Planting Your Life, isn't it? And you have to plant your whole life. You have to lay down your whole life when you follow Jesus. Um, yeah. Why don't we, we'd love to see if anyone has any questions. I know we've shared a bit about our story, um, but you might even just have stuff that's relating to what we've said or just stuff that you're going through thinking about this weekend that you're like, do you have any advice? Do you have any thoughts? That might be linked to our stuff that we do with churches and sites, or it might be to do with other stuff that we've mentioned. Yeah. It might be a kind of hands up and shout out kind of situation here. Anybody? <laughs> You're so welcome. Do you mean waiting, waiting where you are, longing to, in a difficult season? I think. Take it to Jesus. (laughs) Just, uh, yeah, you know, God's made us with all the feelings, all the emotions that we have, and we can be real with him, and to bring all of that to him, and just to ask for that clarity and what, what it is you're wrestling with, just to keep, and have people around you who will 
support you in that season to do that and to bring it all to him and to ask him and to cry out to him why and for clarity until you, until you hear that and to pursue. And I know looking back on my life, sometimes it took a year, two years for things to, to see the breakthrough and to see the reasons. And or maybe there wasn't a change and to look back and see God's hand in it and the reasons why he used me in that season that I thought would have been easier if I was elsewhere. Um, but to trust it to God that he can use you. Um, but also for us, I mean, we, we, we stayed in Ellen and we were part of a multi-site, but our hearts were in Inverness. That was from what we felt that God had put in us from a long time ago. Um, but we were very present. And I think being present where you are, even though you feel like God's speaking to you about something in the future is really important to be fully in where you are. You can still have secrets with Jesus that God's speaking about you. That's okay to have those secret places with Jesus, but to be fully present, if that makes sense. I don't know if that helps. I, and I think it, as well that like we've had moments in our lives where there's been real frustrations and, and struggles where we've wanted to move on somewhere. Like, for example, we were in Aberdeen in a, in a little flat, uh, which was quite a quirky flat because it had an attic conversion bedroom, which is really cool. I, I got it before I got married to Mary, and we had stairs that went from the kitchen to, to our bedroom. It was really quirky, and it was amazing. And it had a hammock as well, which is really good. And then we got married, and you came in and took it all away. But anyway... <laughs> But we had this flat and we wanted to move into the Shire and we wanted to sell it and it took two years to sell. And I remember we were at a youth conference and we had got an offer on our flat and we were like, we're going, it's happening, this is real. And I got a phone call just before one of the main sessions and it said the offer fell through. And we were standing in the middle of this marketplace in this festival crying. And we just had friends gather around us at that moment and pray for us, you know. And I think through the disappointments, we... We re recapped on that moment in that little room where we said we're all in. And I think you're totally right. It's about in, in, in the moment, it's pursuing Jesus. And it's also not being uh, dictated by our feelings. You know, there's moments where we step into to moments of worship and it's like, I don't feel like it, but I'm making a choice because I know God's good. I know he is for me and I, and I don't feel like, but it's a, it's a, it's a moment where I, I choose to worship in that moment. So I think... Uh, We've learned a lot in the waiting, and we've not got it right all the time. Like we were really frustrated at that point. We were really frustrated in terms of like, it took two years to have a baby as well. We were on the IVF waiting list, and you know those are tough moments and tough life moments to navigate. Where you're like, I see this God, but it isn't coming to pass. What's going on? And uh, we've had moments of frustration in that, but we know ultimately that His truth rises above that and stays above that and that he is good and he has a plan in that and we're, we want to choose to pursue him uh, within that. So, yeah. Yeah, I just, um, I think one thing to say, which is, can be particularly helpful maybe on a, on a weekend like this, is people will prophesy and they'll speak words over you and, um, and we want to hold on to those and cherish those. And I think the Lord also calls us to test those as well. So just because someone speaks a word over us doesn't mean that is definitely the truth. And I'm not saying that's the case in your situation, for sure. Um, but I think if you feel like the Lord is telling you to do something right now, then even maybe beyond those words, they might be truths for the future. And God can certainly call those in. But if you feel he's called to do something right now, then you're doing exactly what he's calling you to do right now. And I think over the years of once I stepped, once I stopped trying to seek career paths and jobs and things that would lead to comfort and then go, okay, I'm going to seek you, God. So in my 
let's call it progression for, for want of a better word, in terms of my role with the church. That started as doing the discipleship year and then I was volunteering some of my time and then doing a day a week and then a couple of days a week whilst working another job alongside that. And even feeling called to church plant or launch a site or whatever that did, there was patience in realizing that that calling was a lifelong calling and that there was an opportunity to pursue God immediately, but what he was calling me into in the long term wasn't what was going to happen necessarily immediately right there and then. And I think what I've learned over the years is God says, um, be faithful in what I've given you. Be faithful in the small things and I will release more to you as you do that. And I think I see that in a number of the people we're raising up and leading at the moment. And I love seeing people that are like, I want more. I want to do more. That's good because there's excitement and there's passion and there's vision. Um, but can you be trusted with what God's given you? Can you love the place where you're in? And um, yeah, and if, and if you're struggling to love where you're at, then just pray I'm sure you're doing that. Pray like, Lord, would you help me to love this place? Show me what you want to do. I think I would just say to you, like, that sounds really hard. And, like, living with disappointment and living with the waiting is so hard. And I think maybe there's an opportunity this weekend to just minister to your soul in that disappointment and try and get God to replace some of that disappointment with a fresh vision for this season and a fresh vision for where you are and we're going to do some ministry in this seminar and I think either at the end of this seminar or over the course of the weekend like I think it's something that only the Holy Spirit can do in you yeah we've got loads of time for more questions so anything else coming up Seriously, come on now. Oh gosh, how do you? Sorry, I'm. I t I, you know, you took yourself away thinking. <laughs> how do you decide when the right time is, and God's speaking to you about something? When do you go? Go on. So, in terms of us, I'll give an example of when we went to plant Inverness, which was a really difficult thing because God was stirring our hearts. There was a heart shift. Yeah. So I think that something happens in your heart yeah. where there's a movement happening. And uh, I think also that we were at that point where we we're like, okay, something's going on here. Uh, God's doing something. God's shifting something. And we're praying to him to ask for guidance and ask for signs and ask for... And I remember a couple of occasions where we had somebody over for dinner. We had a, a couple in our church that were around for dinner. And a lovely elderly couple who were great with our boys and just amazing. And we were eating, eating our dinner and they just stopped eating their dinner. And I was like, oh my goodness, what have we done? Have we overcooked it? And they said, we just want to pray for you. We just want to pray for you. And they just started prophesying over us. And the words that they were saying were things like, we see you at the top of a hill and there's a mountain ahead of you. And God's just saying, go for it. So at that point, we were like, hmm, that's interesting. And under the table, we're kicking each other, going, oh my goodness, it's happening, it's happening. So I think for us, 
there was those moments that were so undeniably God. And we had a collection of words from people who had no idea what was going on. And it was just like piecing it together and going, okay. Uh, and, and taking a moment to write the, those down and go, okay, this is what God's saying through people who have no idea of our situation. And uh, so that really helped us to know it's time to go. It's time to make a move. And uh, yeah, so that, that helped us personally in our journey. I think maybe um, just a little bit about our story of how we decided to launch the site. Um, we, as I was saying, both felt called to church in some capacity um, absolutely love Cardiff and God's broken our heart for that city. And yet we felt like we would have to work out, you know, at some point if we're going to plant, we're going to have to go to a different city because that's the model. You go to a new city and you plant a church. So, um, But then there was kind of various things of one time just in passing James mentioned this idea of like a congregational model and we were like oh and just something in our hearts like came alive and that happened like individually of each other and then we talked about it afterwards and we're like oh um, and then when they announced that that was what we were going to go for the timing like God's timing is always key and just as James and Jen were announcing like we're going to go to this congregational model was when we were starting to ask God where to buy a house because we'd finally got a deposit together. We'd been renting for years and just faithfully saving and we were finally in the position and the timing just felt so perfect that we were like, right, we've got to pray about where we're going to buy a house because inevitably that is going to be connected to the vision for a multi-site church feeling. So we'd barely even spoken to James and Jen about it. We had to tell them we were going to do it, obviously, we had a conversation and they gave us Please their blessing us and and but I think like to be honest like that took them a little bit by surprise we probably weren't necessarily their like first choice obvious candidates like God but God has had a plan the whole time um and when we were having lunch with them before they went on a sabbatical a couple of years ago we were kind of talking about it and they were like do you know what God has spoken um, there were various prophetic words and things, and it just felt right to us and right to the Holy Spirit. And then just as like a beautiful way of confirmation, as we were in their living room praying, we both got like a buzz in our phone and a right move notification popped up and um, a house had just come on the market literally as we were praying. And that's now our home. And it just felt like James and Jen were saying, yes, you've got our blessing. And it just felt like God was like, you've got my blessing as well, and this is your house, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then um, you never quite feel like you've got everything you need to go. <laughs> I think it's always like we, we, we have to rely on God. If we had everything, then kind of there wouldn't be as much room for faith, um, and I think it's been a big faith adventure. But um, God then confirmed again for us in just this most beautiful, really kind way, confirmed... Um, two weeks before the site launched um, in September, we were at Ian's parents' house, being a bit geeking out, looking into our family trees, because why not? And um, we, we, I don't know why we thought to do it. We'd watched a program and we're like, oh, we should look into our own family trees. Anyway, I, I said, oh, I wonder if there's any more people in my family who've been involved in church, because my aunt and my cousin are both vicars, both women. Um, and obviously I'm involved in church, and I was like, I wonder if that goes any further back. That'd be interesting to find out. Asked my dad to send over all this research that he's done, because he loves this kind of stuff, and um, it turned out, like, I knew my grandparents grew up in Cardiff. I didn't know how much further back that went, 
Long story short, I discover two weeks before we launch a site in North Cardiff that my three times great-grandparents planted a church in North Cardiff in around 1900. Um, the building that that church eventually became is still there in Radha in North Cardiff. And the crazy thing about it as well is that this couple were called Alfred and Alice. Alice was from South Wales. Alfred was from Taunton and so is Ian. And it was just like, we are just walking in that legacy. And God just revealed that to us just two weeks before to be like, because all the doubt and the fear and everything creeps in and like, oh my gosh, have we heard right? Are we doing the right thing? And he just so kindly just reaffirmed that. But it was like, as we were stepping out, it's like, you know, as Peter stepped out of the boat, the water held him up. And like, as the Israelites crossed the River Jordan, the water stopped. It's like, as we're stepping out, the things happen. There's a phrase I've heard often in the vineyard that's old orders are good orders until you get new orders. And I think you might have heard that before. And I think I think in our faithfulness, we continue to do the assignment that God has given us until we feel like he has said something new. And you know when he's said something new that you have to step into because you can't shake it. It just keeps coming back. And you know that the longer you stay in what you're doing in, it just starts to feel uncomfortable, doesn't it? You're like, I've got to go got to go he's he's commissioned me to do something new so yeah i'd say that yeah is there another question we've got time for probably one more maybe yeah oh yeah i feel like we always look to you guys to start yeah i have to deal with um coming back to the fact that I could have been a lawyer and I could have earned more money and I could have been in a career that might have felt a bit more prestigious. I love the job that I'm doing, but I think that's a battle that I come back to sometimes that the enemy loves to creep in. Sometimes I'm like, you could have been a lawyer. And Ian, like, we, it was sort of a process that was toing and froing whilst we were dating and engaged. And probably for Ian was like, I'm going to marry a lawyer. Great. And then I'm like, oh, no, it's not. It's, and then I was like, sorry, love, that's actually not what's happening. Um, I would say that that would be a sacrifice and kind of the, that some of the comfort and um, I think I have to battle against some of my middle class tendencies and certain things that I want that I have to just humbly be like, do you know what? We've decided this. We're never going to be rich and we're never going to have that kind of house. You know you're a grown-up when you start driving past fancy houses and instead of going, oh, one day, being like, that will never be us. <laughs> like, that will never be us. I think you know when you... Um, this will sound bad. I don't mean it to sound bad. Sometimes you think you've dealt with stuff, so whether it's around being middle-class and judgmental, and then you realize that, so we realized you know, we're never going to earn loads of money and buy like a really fancy house. And then the house that we bought that we love, but it, we bought it on a council estate and it's, and, and houses are changing. But I think we were what, a week in, two weeks in, and we had our like conservatory doors open and one of the neighbors in that area, and I'm sure this happens all over the place, but they were just blaring out this really loud music. And, and one of the things we loved in the neighborhood where we lived before when we were renting is that we had started to forge some friendships and, or get to know some of the neighbors. And we'd moved into this area and we suddenly felt like 
we'd been to university, we kind of sound a bit more posh than some of the Welsh-speaking, like, local people that we'd met. And it was just a real, like, humbling thing to be like, you know what, there is still stuff, pride and, and kind of a slight hint of prejudice that you are carrying that we are still learning to kind of unravel and let go of. Um, and another thing just to say on the sacrifice is that if there's anyone in this room who's feeling called into church ministry, that is a sacrifice in terms of your time and your energy, your emotions. It might seem glamorous when you're not doing it. Let me tell you that being involved in church leadership is not glamorous. Um, it is, sorry? I'll jump in after. You should jump in now then, that's okay. always a good jump. Sorry, I clearly, you were mid-flare and you yeah, just lost it, sorry. Um, so we've sacrificed weekends, like, to be honest. We're learning how to get them back. Yeah, we're really having to learn how to, um, how to take the command to take a Sabbath seriously and do that properly, and especially when Sunday feels a bit more like a working day, and I work full-time midweek, although I do get to do flexi time, which is such a blessing. Um, it Like, some of the time and some of the cost. And then I think we've experienced in the last month or so of stepping into a new thing. Like, when you step into a new thing and you start to advance the kingdom, you get a spiritual backlash and some stuff that has been spiritual attack for us it's just felt really personal and really like he wants to attack our marriage he wants to attack our house he wants to just take us out any way that he can we're not going to let him and by god's grace but one of the things these guys says is we were we were zoom calling or skyping like before before in the lead up to this because you know cardiff to inverness is quite a long way to you know travel um to prepare but we um and we were just talking about this, and, you know, you guys said something really profound and wise that, you know, when you step into something new and you come against attack, that will cause you to hit another kind of checkpoint or another crossroads where you can either fight or flight. You can either fight and push into it and know that the Lord has called me to this and I'm going to keep pushing into it, or you can just turn your back and go, you know what, the enemy will probably ease off me if I stop doing what the Lord's called me to, because then you're not a threat to him anymore. You're not advancing, you're not joining in with what God's doing what he's called you into in the kingdom, if you go, I'm going to give up because this is too hard. Yeah. I think what we sacrifice is comfort in a worldly sense as well. I think what we've identified, like going on your point, Ian, our, our church in this first year, we want to set the stall in terms of meeting with God. And it is an uncomfortable place. You know, we're not a comfortable church to be part of in that sense because we want to be in an environment where where the Holy Spirit comes and, and stirs stuff and uproots stuff. And, and as you say, you have a choice in that, in that moment, don't you, to, to either go with that and to open up and be vulnerable. And I think we, we have sacrificed comfort in that sense, that we feel incredibly vulnerable in, in what we're doing in that sense. But I think that's a really healthy thing before Jesus to be because we, every Sunday at the moment, we take a step back and we go, this is not in our strength. You know, we just couldn't do it. You know, it's all, it's all God. And we are, we are coming into this week, but no, and, and having moments, you know, before we speak or before we go into the building where we say a little prayer and we just say, it's over to you, God. It's over to you. So I think we, we sacrifice comfort, what the world sees as comfort and what we see our friend. I think friendships as well left a lot of, of dear friends, which is incredibly tough and incredibly hard and still processing that probably as well. And uh, yeah. yeah. I think of it as a calling as well. You know what? We're all called to things. We're all called as Christians to take risks. We encourage risk in the vineyard and um, it's encouraged to step out of your comfort zone. 
and to be in that place for whatever you're, you're called to do. And there is always a sacrifice and a cost in that. And I think we are a generation that are told to be safe, play it safe. Um, the I generation, the, you know, save it for a rainy day generation. And I think it's, it's countercultural, isn't it? To take a risk and to give it all up for Jesus. And as with a young family and leaving um, support groups and antenatal groups and people that we journeyed with having the babies and knowing people in the community giving all that up um for me on a personal work um I was a senior nurse in, in Aberdeen and managed to to find a job that I really loved and thrived and to give that up to to take something that um it's sort of back to the cool face it's got its joys but it's got its struggles as well um but to be in a place where that's okay like that doesn't that's okay God's still good and he's for us and this is what he's called us to and that he's got it and there is always cost and there's always sacrifice but um it's a calling I think it's a calling it's not a Monday to Friday nine to five it's a funny thing isn't it um, but I think all of us as Christians God's called us into prompting and gives us discernment and uses us in all sorts of ways so don't be afraid of it. It's nothing to fear, but it is there. It's a bit negative, isn't it? <laughs> Not to find on, is it? Maybe just uh, one last thing I'd love to say is that I think the sacrifice is worth it. You know, as Helen put so beautifully, like Jesus gave everything for us. How could we not give him our all? And that actually I'm hopeful that because of the things that we're trying to do and that you're trying to do in your lives, there'll be people that we'll see in heaven that might not have been there otherwise. And that actually we might see freedom in our cities. We might see lives totally transformed. We hope that we'll see friendships develop with those neighbors that there'll be, you know, we just want to bring revival and renewal and we want to see the kingdom come. And when you have those times when that happens, the sacrifice is worth it. Should we do some ministry? Let's have some fun.